Welcome to LaTarte On Location. I'm your host, Steve LaTarte. We've spent more than 20 years of your life traveling the road, first as a NASCAR crew chief and now as an analyst for NBC. You are bound to meet some interesting characters along the way. With LaTarte On Location, I try to bring you closer to some of those personalities I've connected with and do it in a bunch of interesting locations. So sit back and get ready for some off-the-grid conversation. Today is a special day. It's home again. Myself, Chad Knauss is the guest. We're at Hendrick Motorsports in, I'm going to call it the old 24 shop. <laughs> is that fair? We spent a lot of hours in this shop, We buddy. did. We CK, thanks for joining. <laughs> so now this is the Papa Joe Hendrick meeting room. It is. All right, so this is new. This wasn't exi- This didn't exist when I left five years ago. Yeah, it's a pretty cool spot. Um, obviously, as the companies continue to grow, we've had a need for you know, conference space, space right. to bring the teams, um, space that's uh, available to our sponsors to come in and have lunches or whatever situation may be. Uh, Ten minutes ago, I had a meeting in here with the whole 24 team and had a, a keynote speaker come in, and we had lunch, and we chatted about where we're at uh, at this round of the playoffs. So, so yeah, we use this spot, and it's been dedicated to Papa Joe Hendrick, Mr. Hendrick's father. Got a lot of his cool memorabilia on the wall. Um, obviously, World War II vet and, and cool things such as that. And then, obviously, we got some really cool Oh, yeah, I was looking at them all. I was looking at a few of those, man. That's bring back some serious memories. They, that, it, so it's, so we're going to go through a gamut of stuff. You and I have a lot of water under the bridge. For those that don't know, Chad and I worked together on the 24 originally. Then Chad left. When he came back to be crew chief of the 48, I was on the 24. Then when I was promoted, uh, we were basically crew chiefs in the same building, running yeah. the same race teams. Um, sharing office space is a <laughs> lot of good conversations here. Um, we're going to get into how I ended up in a motorhome because Chad's got to take a couple weeks off and let me borrow his. <laughs> so we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's start right at the beginning, though. So how does a kid from the Midwest end up at Charlotte in NASCAR? I know you're a racer, but yeah. how did you end up in North Carolina? Whew. Well, I always wanted to I, – I worked in my father's race cars. I yep. think a lot of people know that. And I had an aunt and uncle that lived in Lumberton, North Carolina which is not too far away, just over uh, uh, towards the East Coast, maybe an hour and a half, two hours from Charlotte, I'd say. And at that point, I didn't know a whole lot about NASCAR racing. I'd done a lot of the Midwest stuff, been down south a few times. And uh, I was like, shoot, well, I know that, uh, you know, racing, quote-unquote, is a southern sport and everything is based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. So I graduated high school, and I just said, hey, guys, I'm leaving. And uh, my aunt <laughs> and uncle, like that. that was it. I like that. The day after I graduated, I think it was two days after I graduated, my aunt and uncle came up and they had a, a Ford Taurus wagon uh, with my cousin in it. She's younger than I. And I put my motorcycle, a black and white TV, and a basket of clothing in there because that's all I owned. And we towed it all the way down to uh, Lumberton, North Carolina. And I started working for my uncle, who was a plant manager at a company in Roland, North Carolina, which is uh, was a, a company called Advanced Drainage Systems. So I came down here, started working and handing out resumes and calling people. And I had some pretty unique contacts. Uh, my father raced against Mark Martin. Right. They had a pretty cool relationship. Uh, we knew Alan Kowicki. Uh, raced against him in the Midwest. So they were guys that I was bouncing things back and forth with. And Mark really tried to help guide me. Um, never got on with those guys. I had a chance. I was actually going to work for Alan, and then he lost his Xerox sponsorship that winter. And he's like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be here right, next year. Right. So um, so all that goes on and on and on, and it didn't work out. I didn't get on a team and uh, left, went to Ohio, and I was an engineer for Advanced Drainage Systems at that point. Um and I was like, man, this, this desk job, this real life, this isn't going to work. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so I punted and uh, moved back to Illinois, worked with my father on his race team again. And then I went to, got an opportunity in 1990 
1991 to go to work for Stanley Smith in Chelsea, Alabama, which yep. was a really unique little team. Uh, most people don't know this, but we had qualified really well at some races, raced pretty well, mom and pop operation, but the people on this team were amazing. Um, not So we had Joe Shear Jr. on there. Right. We had Butch Hilton on this team. We had Philippe Lopez on this team. We had Ronnie Crooks on this team. Uh, Todd Foster on this team. Um, so many people that are really there's a lot of trophies in the influential list that you just people gave, right? in motorsports were working on that team back then. So it was a lot of fun and learned an awful lot. And then uh, we were racing in Atlanta in 1992. Um, Richard Petty's last race, Jeff Gordon's first race, and we were there in just the middle of the chaos that was ensuing around that whole race. And uh, I was like, man, this that whole thing with that 24 car would be kind of cool to get get to be a part of. And went through the winter in Alabama. Started racing again the next season with Stanley, and then I was like, you know, this I'm not getting anywhere right. here. Um, which I do still have my first pay stub. I love telling the story. Outstanding. My first pay stub for Stanley Smith, I was two weeks pay for two hundred eighty nine dollars. That's a that's going to be that's a steep <laughs> curve in 1990. That's still a steep curve. That's tight, baby. See, it makes my my first one was uh, um, I guess must have been two weeks. Two weeks was four fifty, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's and what I'll, we paid here is two oh weeks yeah. right back then. Yeah, yeah. And uh but nonetheless, so yeah, so uh, awesome. I called up Ray and I was like, Hey man, I you know, I really want to uh get an opportunity. Or this was what was best. So I called Hendrick Motorsports, you know. Blah blah blah, yeah, right. thirty four hundred. Yeah, right. Just called There's the no Google. Main so. line, right? <laughs> yeah, right. The uh receptionist picks up, says Hendrick Motorsports. I was like, Yeah, um can I speak to Ray Everham? She says, hold, please. Just transferred you. <laughs> that was it. And and I'm sitting there like, there's no way this is going to work. Right. right. And I hear, hello, in this Jersey accent. I'm like, right. holy smokes. I'm like, hello, I speak to Ray. And he's there like, There was no is. hand filtering the calls no, back no. then. And he says, uh, what can I do for you? And I said, hey, I'm, I'm Chad Canals. I work for Stanley Smith based out of Chelsea, Alabama. Um, and I'd really love an opportunity to, to talk to you about coming to work for you. And he goes, well, lucky for you, I just fired a guy. When can you be here? <laughs> I was like, man, I'll be there tomorrow. He's like, all right, come on in. We'll talk to you. So I drove all the way, slept in my car that night, and met Ray at 8 o'clock the next morning and uh, sat down in front of him, kind of told him what I was about, what I could do, talk about being intimidated. And uh, I remember sitting there just like yesterday. He says to me, he says, well, where, where do you want to be in five years? And I said, in five years, I want your job. Oh, that's awesome. And he was like, all right, you're hired. That's it. And that's that was what, it. And I'm here ever since. And people, they can think all they want, but it wasn't shocking if someone got fired. We had, <laughs> we had a lot of people getting fired and a lot of toolboxes <laughs> getting pushed into the parking lot. So that's early 93. That's 93. You start there. In 93, I was a 14-year-old kid. Well, how about this? I moved to North Carolina the day of the 94 Brickyard. The day that you guys were winning oh, the wow. first ever Brickyard, yeah. I was in the station wagon with my dad and our dog driving to North Carolina. We listened to it on the radio. Isn't that fantastic? So so it's a small world for sure. Man, I remember when you showed up, you know, and we're like, <laughs> Ray's like, he gave you to Michael Landis, I think, for the most oh, part. Oh, yeah. He says, keep, keep, give this kid something to do. Yeah, keep his busy. dad works in the chassis shop. Just keep him busy. Keep him busy. He mows my grass. And uh, we're like, all right, great. You know, so immediately what we do it's is in any environment. Yeah. You just pick on him. Yep. And that's all we did is we just picked on you and gave you weird chores and things to do and just kind of just abused you for a long time, which was which was fun. There's no job um, <laughs> you can't do. So this building. So when I started, the 24 shop was up on the hill. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know what's up there anymore. It's carbon fiber. Okay, shop. so it's still carbon fiber. Uh, year one or two, we moved here. Like 96. This is 97. We moved okay, down 97. Here. Um, I thought I was going to get fired moving. Oh, gosh. Um, I remember this story. What did I tip over? The Magnaflex oh, machine. Oh, the Magnaflex machine. So for the people who are listening don't know, there's a piece <laughs> of equipment that checks cracks. And I didn't know this, but apparently the fluid that's in it is only in the top half. And I bumped it with a forklift and dumped it in the parking lot. It was a disaster. We um, were at the racetrack. <laughs> And we <laughs> we were at the track when you did this because we were, we were yeah. you guys were moving as bad. we were gone. It was bad. And I remember we're there and we hear this has gone down. And we're like that kid's done. Yeah. He's oh yeah. Toast. Yeah. If you hadn't been his neighbor, you wouldn't have made it. <laughs> I know. But for two things, if I hadn't been his neighbor, but I feel like like I just unlike like you said you wanted his job. Yeah. I didn't hide from it. Like, oh no. What no. happened? This is what happened. You were never afraid. No. You can't. Be. <laughs> Still can't not. Be. No. Can't be. <laughs> so I remember. I, I want people to understand what it was like back in those days. My number one job every day was to go get dinner, and then I was off. <laughs> I would come from high school, right, and I'd work in For the sure. afternoon, and at like six thirty ish, yeah, I would go pick up dinner. And people don't believe me when I, I'll ask you this question. They don't believe me. What time did you work to back then? We worked until Ray came out of his office. <laughs> no one believes that. They're like, that's not real. I'm like, oh, no, that's real. No, that's the truth. He you would, hoped he, he didn't get busy. Yeah. Well, that's exactly forget true. about you. He'd be up in the DJ booth, and we'd be down there working. And when I say DJ booth, oh, people don't understand yeah, it. So it. we had he had an upstairs office, and he would come in, and the parts room was down below him. You'd roll up the stairs, and he'd sit there, and he would look over the whole shop. And, and, and you would work, and you just work and doing your thing, doing your thing. And you didn't want to make too much noise at one time because you didn't want him to look up and see you. Mm-mm. You didn't want to be the guy that was jerking around, nope. right? Um, but, yeah, we did not. And it was very, very consistently five for five Arby's roast beef sandwiches. We'd just get a bunch of those. That's, that's, we I would, would mow those down. I knew me by name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on in, Steve. Here's yeah. your order. Give me the box. <laughs> and then we would sit there, and we would work. And uh, whether it was the fab shop back in the corner or the setup plate, um, setting up cars or whatever it was that we were doing, and Ray would be like, huh. Like, he would almost kind of, like, be startled. Right. Oh, you're still here? What are we're you like, all still here for? Yeah, what are you going to still you – know, go home, guys. We're like, uh-uh, not till you tell me. Okay, go home. Like, That's great. Nobody took it upon themselves except oh. for one or two, and they didn't last very long. No, you can get him his water. This is just a podcast. We're not as fancy as a TV show. This is low-key stuff, low-key stuff. Thanks, Ashley. So we're down here once again at Hendrick Motorsports in the old 24 shop. It's now the Papa Joe Hendrick meeting room. You saw DJ Booth. You're going to like this story. When we moved into this building, I thought it would be funny. Remember the odd jobs used to guys give? I would clean the light bulbs. That was that was Michael's thing. I would stand on a forklift. Osha would be really impressed. And I would hold on to the fluorescent tubes, and we would drive across the shop, and it would go from kneeling to standing yep. and kneeling. Cause there was our, so one day I was cleaning the ceiling fan in front of Ray's office, and he wasn't here. So I was like, I know what I'm going to do. And I taped like five pennies on top of the fan blade. <laughs> so out in front of his office, it would just, right? And it bothered him so much, he was like, Steve, you got to fix that. No problem. So he was gone one day, and I took the pennies off. And I got, he was like, great job. I'm like, <laughs> you got an attaboy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no problem. I fixed what I broke. So this this room, and you remember this, Steve, this was the fab shop. And I can remember we had a, a surface plate right there. We had a bandsaw right here yeah. and a, a bench right here. Um, I can remember right there I was welding I don't remember. I think it's welding exhaust pipes. I don't remember what it was uh, right off the top of my head. But we had a gentleman. His name was Bill Deese, and he was our, our the master of our cowls. And he was an old-school fabricator. An old fabricator is always just a little crotchety and cranky. You have to right? be. It's part of the skill set. It's, it is. It is. Um, so he he would sit there, and he would just work on this piece. And it was beautiful. So he's building this air box, and then he's cleaning it with carnauba wax, right? He, 
gets it all cleaned up, throws his rags in said trash can that's sitting right there, and I'm welding right next to it. And for those of you at home that don't know this, carnauba wax is extremely it is. flammable. It is. And so I'm sitting there, and I go, put my helmet down, and I'm like, man, it's a little hot in here. <laughs> and I lift up, and again, I'm right here, and the flames are going up the wall. <laughs> and that was an overhead door right there. And I can remember I grabbed that thing and I kicked it out. And we had just bought brand new trash cans. Oh, no. So Landis, who was our parts guy at the time, um, he was really upset that I completely burnt uh, he one is of the, the trash cans. He is the best parts guy in the world because he's, they, he's as tight as they come. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you want a Sharpie, you got to give him a used one. Turn one in. Yeah. Turn one in. The Although same. Chad would go around and if he could pick up a cut tie wrap you all were in trouble yeah i do remember that yeah, i man. remember that so those were the 24 days um <laughs> then i started traveling yep and and i want to tell this story and i'll see if i remember correctly 95 gordon has the chance to win his first championship yep so we brought a second car down and when we say we i want to be clear oh, i was a geez. floor sweeper loaded coolers washed the truck with captain like i i did <laughs> i don't want to say meaningless they all had to be done but i was doing the basic entry yep, job yeah but they treated me like i was one of the group so we brought a second team down there yeah, we did jeff purvis is that who drove it it drove started it? with uh with purvis and we ended up putting uh purvis got hurt in the uh the Arca race yeah and we or was the other way around i can't remember Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. Nonetheless, we had a white car. I remember white that. car number fifty one had two drivers. Hood about blew off it. It was a short track car, and we used to acid dip the sheet metal back then. If NASCAR's listening, I had nothing to do with it. It was completely no. Everham's idea. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, right. His office is in Mooresville. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we would acid dip the sheet metal. <laughs> well, just so you know, Atlanta even back then was to a two hundred mile per hour racetrack. Oh yeah. So the hood was paper thin. And it would go around the racetrack, and it was just like, and it was cracking <laughs> down the center. We were trying to weld it back together at the track. But, yeah, so we, we, we had to go, and we were trying to make sure that we secured the points championship with right. the second car. You, myself, uh, Butch Lamaru. It was a motley crew. Uh, Phil Hammer. Yeah, yeah, Hammer. Who got promoted to crew chief the next day <laughs> and didn't come into work. Remember that? Yeah. After he won the championship. <laughs> he was going to be the crew chief of the 25. 25 across the, across the way. So we win the championship. We all celebrate. Yep. And we drive the Brickyard van. There's so many layers to this. <laughs> so we drive one of the early Brickyard vans. Yep. When you win the pole at the Brickyard, you get a van. Yep. And Jeff was great qualifying there. So we had all these Brickyard vans. We drove home, and I'll never forget this. I, I lived with my parents over in Harrisburg. Oh, you remember this? Oh, God, I'm remembering so this story. And Canales is like, you know, he's looking out for me. I was a 16-year-old kid. He's like, Latart, where are you going? I said, well, I need to ride home, which is completely out of your way. But you're like, ah. This is no, there's no Uber. Like, this is 96, right? You're like, you can't even get a cab. Yeah, in like, he's like, you're not going to get, we're in Concord. There's no cabs <laughs> up here. All right, I'll bring you home. Yeah. So you had the Camaro. I did. I did. I, so we, <laughs> so let's, let's back up just a little bit. So it's a four hour drive from Charlotte to Atlanta. Yeah, oh, four right. hours. Four hours. So you win the championship. I was a tire changer. Stevie was there. He was still working. I was a tire changer on the 24. Right, right. You were still working on the other car, I think. Yeah, whatever had to be done. Whatever that car was, right. and it raced and did whatever it needed to do. And then, which was really fast, by the way. Like, it, we, like we, at one point, they were like, you know, you can't get in front of the other car. Because <laughs> Gordon, like, you guys were only running like, I don't know, 17th or yeah, 18th. Yeah, it wasn't very pretty. So, nonetheless, uh, you win the championship, and they would bring this 18 wheeler out there with a the big flatbed on the back. And the cool thing that we did back then through 
our, uh, the sponsor was Winston at the time in NASCAR, you had champagne bottles and you were on this big trailer and you'd made a, a victory lap around the racetrack. Right. Which was so cool. Place so was packed. Oh, yeah. So we're spraying champagne and then we oh. go through. So we're covered in champagne, literally yeah. like covered in champagne, yep. stinky. And then we tear the car down because we used to inspect at the racetrack. And, hey, man, the fact of the matter is we just won the championship. So we were drinking some beers, had a good time, and, you know. I was only 16, so I couldn't. They knew they had a DD. I was driving everyone home, <laughs> so they were like, we're good. So he's driving home from Atlanta. When we get home, it's four hours later. You know, yeah. we hadn't had a drink in forever, so I'm driving him home. And I had just washed my car before we went to the racetrack. So, oh, Officer uh, Smiley. It was a black, a black Camaro, <laughs> and we pull out of the shop, and we get across over by Charlotte Motor Speedway, and there's a like a, a big puddle of water. I'm like, well, I'm just going to drive around it. So I crossed over a double yellow to go around this water, and no more did I get back into the proper lane, and the lights come on behind us. And I'm like, it's now like four oh. in the morning, four or five in the morning. I'm and here I am with a 16-year-old kid. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. <clears throat> We haven't done anything wrong. We'll be fine. Done nothing wrong. And he rolls up, <laughs> and, and and I'm not thinking anything. And I just, you know, roll the window down. And he sticks his head in, and he's like, excuse me, have you all been drinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not going to believe this story, officer, but. <laughs> I think you got a minute. This is going to take a while. Yeah. And uh, he's he, like, so how old are you? And Stevie's like, yeah. 16? 16. <laughs> Look about 14 for my glasses. Yeah, so got pulled over. I thought I was going to get arrested for uh, uh, yeah, contributing to the delinquency of a minor right there. I was already delinquent. Yeah, you uh, could have been You could have been arrested, not for that night, but many other nights, oof. which we're not going to get completely into everything on this podcast. So let's be clear. So that's the 24 car. And then help me, what year did you leave? 1997, we had just won the championship. Yep. And uh, – I left after that uh, to go to DEI in 1998. Yep, so you uh, went to DEI, car chief for Steve Park. Yep. A lot of different opportunities uh, away from Hendrick. Yep. I I stayed here and kind of moved up through. Ray left in 99. Yep. Robbie came on board, and then what were you doing? So you had you had DEI. Yep, so DEI, and then I kind of freelanced for a while. Yep. Ray left in 99. He approached me, and he wanted me to be – the team leader slash crew chief on the development team that he was building for Dodge. So he hired me, and we built this little race team up in Mooresville, which was basically nothing more than an R&D center for Dodge to come back into the sport. So it was a lot of fun for me. Now, Ray can be very, very tight and frugal with his money, obviously. <laughs> can <and> be. <laughs> Ray, if you're listening, you still are. <laughs> so we, we operated on a shoestring, but we built some really cool cars. We brought a really a lot of unique um, technology to our sport that a lot of the race teams hadn't used yet. So it was a really cool environment. And uh, Ray at that point consumed uh, Bill Elliott Racing. Um, and became the owner of that, which was going to then be Everham Motorsports. So I had some opportunities to to work with Bill and Ernie Elliott and uh, a lot of the guys on the Dodge program. Um, and then uh, let's see what happened. So then, oh, we hired Casey Atwood. Right. And uh, that was my first real crew chief opportunity was with uh, Casey Atwood at Martinsville and Richmond in, uh, in 2000. Man, time flies. Yeah, man. 2000, and then in 01, middle of 01. I'll never forget this. So I think we might have still been in this building. Yeah. I think we were still in this building. The transition. We again. were walking around, and here comes Jeff bebopping in with Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> and yeah. now, let, like, I love Jimmy to death, but my man could not 
win or run up front in an Xfinity terrible. car. Terrible. terrible. And we were looking around like. Still is terrible in an Xfinity car. Let's be clear. For the we, record. We, 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 like, he was walking around. We were like, what in the hell? What, <laughs> what have they got going on? And so we didn't think anything of it. And then, like, a couple weeks later, Jeff's like, no, no, we're thinking about adding a car, and we're going to have him drive it. <laughs> We thought my man has hit his head too many times. <laughs> and he told us a story about how he chased Jimmy around maybe Michigan or somewhere, and and he was doing more with the car than he ever could. We're going to hire him. So we kind of get through that, and then we were going to start a second team. And then I was in – I won't say in some meetings. I was in the peripheral when people get out of the meetings. I was – oh, this is what they said yeah. about you coming back to be the crew chief for that. And we got uh, – my old buddy Burdett came over. Yeah. Well, he's already there, but he transferred over the 48. Ken Howe's crew chief there – their uh, first race at Charlotte, and then heading into 02. When did you get here? You got here at the end of 01. End of 01, December 01. Yeah, so we were fortunate. Actually, the story goes, people don't know. We destroyed a car in 01, and we stole one of Jimmy's first Charlotte cars and raced it because we were racing for a championship. Yeah. But neither here nor there. <laughs> so you came here in, at the end, December of 01. Yep. Um, I mean, instant success. Like, at what point, I know you've always been ambitious. But when you pulled in here in December, like, what were your goals? What did you think? I mean, because you'd only crew chief, let's be fair, <coughs> 60 races maybe? Not even that. Uh, Stacy Compton, one full year in 2001 and then two races prior. So that would have been 36. And not to discount Stacy Compton's team, but when you go from that team to Hendrick Motorsports, oh, that man, is a had, different. Yeah, it's a different mentality. It's a different world. Yeah, I had, uh, we had 20 nine full-time teammates at that Melling Racing deal, mm -hmm. and you walk in here and it's like, whew. Man, we had 20-some people that you oh, know, yeah. just do stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. We you had 20. What, how many here? 600 now? There's over 600 now. If but Rick's listening, it's like 500. Yeah. Shh. Yeah. I know how those deals work. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so we... So what we, was it like, though? When you came here in December, what did, were you scared? Were you nervous? No, was I was terrified, shot? I was terrified. And, it, and it's really interesting. So they announced the Jimmy Johnson thing. Now, mind you, this happened really quick. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like it happened like, boom, we're going to do this. And uh, I was actually in Homestead sitting on the wall talking to a buddy of mine, Jay Guy, who was crew chief in the Xfinity Series. Old crew chief in the Cup Series. We'd worked together for years and years. And uh, Jimmy walks by. And, again, I don't know Jimmy, and I have the same opinion you do. This guy can't do much Like him. Nice guy. But yeah. In an Xfinity car. All I can remember is his wreck at the Glen. That's all I remember. Well, everybody does. Still, we still don't know yeah, right. that, right? <clears throat> so I'm sitting on the wall talking to Jay, and Jimmy walks by. And Jay's like, hey, 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 come here. I want you. This is my buddy, Chad. Uh, hey, I'm Jimmy. Oh, hey, nice to meet you. I've You're never right. seen you without your helmet. Yeah, yeah. right. And uh, Jay says, this is the guy you need to be your crew chief next year. And Jimmy's like, yeah, okay. Thanks. And I said, yeah, okay. That was it. <laughs> so we split. And then uh, I had actually seen Randy Dorton um, about a week after that, believe it or not, at a tanning salon. And uh, I'm going to let that one be. <laughs> <laughs> and we chatted it up. And then uh, Brian Weitzel called me about three or four days later and said, or no, Brian called me and says, which this is funny. Hey, you're going to get a call from Rick. Oh, yeah, the, the pre-call. Well, Rick can just call. <laughs> you know, I mean, I got his number. The pre-call. But nonetheless, so, so Mr. H calls me. He's like, hey, I want you to meet with these guys, Robbie and Ken and Jimmy. And we met, and we hit it off. And, you know, all that's been, been talked about multiple times. But there's a table of about eight people. And Jimmy and I, we just sat down and had a conversation, like completely oblivious to what everybody else was doing. Right. We just chatted it up. Um, decided we wanted to do it, and, and we kind of formed a bond. And... A realization really quick, knowing that 
this was our shot. Like, hey, man, this is our opportunity. Right. If we don't do this, like, you're going to be driving Xfinity cars. I'm going to be, like, just be bopping around trying to think right. about what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And uh, we, we really dug in deep with one another from the onset, and it, it was awesome. I, I don't think I could have understood that before I switched to Dale because I think Dale and I had that same opinion, right? Like, I went winless with Jeff Gordon. Yeah. He was floundering at a company yep. where he should win, and, and we kind of got to that point where it was like, okay, look, I'm not sure either of us, you know, are going to – be able to survive this yep. and he you know and i think it helped to your point kind of break the ice and and yeah man it's an up and down people don't realize um i it, you know it's my job now to try to explain it to everyone i struggle to try to put in perspective the pressure of week in and week out competition like it doesn't matter how good you were yesterday yeah there's no. always another chance to not be good enough <laughs> it's it's so funny um for instance driving home last weekend we we transferred and to yeah. the next round of the playoffs. Huge, huge goal. And I don't mean to be jumping ahead. But no, it's perfect. Actually, great weekend, smooth weekend, and you took a playoff rookie into the round of 12. That should be celebrated yeah. completely. Exactly. Driving home with my wife afterwards, I'm pissed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, what? Yeah, what's wrong with what you? What is wrong with you? And I'm like, you know, we. I said, I'm just conflicted. Right. You know, I'm not mad. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know what I should be. Should I, I be happy? I'm just, I'm just a little conflicted because she's like, "Oh, you you said your goal was to to transfer to the next round." Don't listen and, to what I say. All <laughs> right, and I said exactly. She's like, "Well, you did. You should be you should be really happy." And I'm like, "I am," but we didn't win. Right. We got beat by two teammates. That's not acceptable. And she's like, "I, I she's like, I just I can't live like I don't understand you." And I'm like, "Well, it's just you should have just said get used to that." Yeah, it's just the truth. Well, she is. She I'm gets 20 it. years in, and yeah. she doesn't understand. She me gets either. it. My wife's fantastic, and she completely understands. But she's like, she's like, Sheesh, you know. But it's the truth. Like you're you're only as good as your last performance, and if you don't win, it wasn't good enough. And that's the way that it is in this sport. So um, when did that start? I, I, now, listen, I know it started for you and me working for Ray way yeah. back when. Because Ray, how many times would we win a race, walk to victory lane, and heard about everything we did wrong yep. and how we need to be better? And I'll see you tomorrow morning at 7. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, we'll, go, yeah, we'll sleep in and be here at 7. Yeah. Let's not wait together. We'll get home okay. 12. Yeah, right. Um, but Jimmy and you come out of the box and win Fontana. Yeah, man. So, like, at any point when you win Fontana, that, take me back to that first win because I can still see the picture. You want to talk about a Motley crew of that <laughs> road crew. I think y'all took a picture at the start finish yeah, line, right? Yeah, so Now, was that one still in your office? Because as long as I work with you, it was up in your office. My trophy is. Okay, the That's trophy. That's the only That's trophy that I keep on display is yep. the, the Fontana trophy. I knew I knew that was yep. the So you go to Fontana and you win. Jimmy's a California guy. I mean, it couldn't have been scripted. Off strategy. Better. Yeah. Which was even makes when and for those you of could you take that, this however you want, but you don't win a lot on strategy because you just had the fastest cars most of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have to use strategy. It's kind of like a backhanded compliment, but, yeah, normally you just beat everybody with the fastest right, cars. Right, right. Know, so we did a, a pit strategy call, got out front, got ahead of the 97 car, which was Kurt Busch at the time, led him and, and won the race. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of other yeah, stuff I just smoothed over. But when you win a – and you know this, Steve, is you when you win off of a, a cool pit call, oh. like you just, you know – and I earned my dollar today. That Xfinity race a couple of weeks ago, they won off fuel mileage. I think my quote was, and that one was for the crew chiefs everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, right. you not many times. Yeah, you man. Get, but yeah, for sure. And that's so, so we did that. And again, Jimmy did fantastic. The team did fantastic. Yeah. So I'm not taking, I'm not playing it down, but I was like, man, this is great. And I remember L Robbie Loomis came up to me as I was walking down uh, pit road afterwards. 
who was crew chief for Jeff at the time, mm -hmm. and you were car chief on the team, and he put his arm around me and he said, buddy, you'll always have a job in racing now. He said, that's all you got to do is win one race as a crew chief and you're set. So, so I was like, whew, man, I'll be able to eat for a while, you know. <laughs> um, but it was great. We had such a good group of guys, man. We had, a, uh, you know, Ron Malik was on the team, Jason Burdett. We had, jeez, uh, man, so many different people. And what we really worked hard on at that point was building a team of youth that was going to be there for a while. And we had that right there. And, I mean, we had people on the team who couldn't even shave yet. Right. You know, so it was really cool. Yeah, you kind of broke the mold of I'm not going to go for experience. I'm yeah. going to go for the right people who want it the most. Um, and I have to commend you because eventually I, I took, you know, the same role that you had, and, and that's way harder to manage <laughs> than a bunch of older, more mature guys that get it. Like, yeah. you get a guy and you're like, gosh, I know that guy's going to be good if I just don't kill him first. He's going to be really good at his job. Yeah. But it's hard to. And then you got – so you win right away in 02. You have so much success. Um, and then 05. Yep. So Gordon misses the playoffs. <clears throat> yep. Um, and the reason I have to relive 05 is I'll be honest, I can't remember what happened with y'all because of what was happening in my life. Yeah. Right. So so Robbie's mom was sick. Yep. I was the car chief. We missed the playoffs. Robbie decides that, hey, I'm going to go uh, have some other personal things I have to take care of. I get the call to move up, and those last ten races are, are just a blur to yeah. me. But while I was living in this fog of a blur, you guys were going out and, and getting the job done. Yeah. 2005, which which you'll say that, but oddly enough, that was my worst year emotionally in that in that era. It was so bad at the end of that year. That's when Jimmy and I had our, our meeting with Milk Mr. Cookies meeting. Milk and Cookies meeting that I'm sure you've got in your notes here somewhere you're going to bring up. But I'm going to tell you how much how bad I felt about that year is that I made that I made two zero zero five um, the unlock code on my phone. So that every time I unlock, it's not like you, you yeah, can right. look at it now and you use your face. And you, yeah. But I made that my code because I knew that I never wanted to have another year in my life like that year. Because it was good on the racetrack. It wasn't emotionally. That's great. I mean, that, that's, that's yeah. amazing stuff, right? That's what, you know, when I talk to people and fans, I get this all the time. Well, why'd you leave? I'm like, man, you don't understand, yeah. right? Like, I know this is hard to believe, but Jimmy's a person. Chad's a person. Like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a person. Yeah. We're not these make-believe robots that yeah. go and do work. It was really tough on me because we had set the expectation that we should be winning championships in 2002. And mm -hmm. when you don't do that and you're into, you know, 2002, you didn't do it. 2003, you didn't do it. 2004, you didn't do it. 2005, you didn't do it. What's the problem? Right. And that was a burden on me that was just so, so intense, man. It was tough. That was a tough year for me emotionally. Well, you work through it because you're <laughs> back in 06. And, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and who knew what 06 was going to – maybe you knew, but who knew what 06 was going to start for yeah. the, the legacy of the 48? I mean, you start winning and you don't stop winning for basically the rest of the decade. Yeah, that was a really exciting time. It was, it was a lot of fun. So we, we've talked about it. We had a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the younger people that I had were getting more mature, stronger in their positions. Leading up to that point, I had, and I'm, I shouldn't say I, but, but it was me because I was, was I was the problem. I made all the decisions, uh, setup, strategy. I should, you know, I rem no, I remember this shift. It, there was a moment, and, was, and, and take it for whatever it's worth, there was a moment where there was the, the 48 team's success and failure funneled through you. That was it. And and frankly, yeah. that's – I just don't know if, A, it can be withstood 
for a test of time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You you deserve the majority of the credit. My point, though, is it takes a team. It truly yeah. does. And when you're the point contact, when it all goes through one guy, man, I don't know how hard. you survive. It was tough. So take me back to 05. So how so, bad at the end of 05, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't – we, we – my podcast, we don't talk about the meeting and everything that everybody knows about. Talk about the other stuff. We know Rick talked with you and Jimmy. Yep. But, like, was there a moment where you had to look in the mirror and say, like, do I want to do this? How bad do I want to do this? Can I do this? Yeah. Like, like, what were the questions you were asking yourself? There was a lot of can I because I didn't know how to transition away from me. Right. You put it all on the you. team. Right. Because it was just me. That's how you, know? you, that's how you organized Everybody it. did their work. Everybody did yeah. what they were supposed to. But right. every decision came across my desk. Mm-hmm. And... You got to share the load. Yeah, Mr. H is like, look, man, you have to let the rest of your team have skin in the game. We're like, well, they can't do this. You don't know. You don't let them try. So there's a guy with a hundred dealerships. Right? Yeah, this like, guy like, gets it. Like he doesn't. There's no way if he sold every yeah. car, he wouldn't sell any cars. <laughs> right. right. Like he's the guy. Exactly right. And, and you know, the long and short of it, that's kind of what came out of the meeting that I had with him. Um, Jimmy and I had our thing, and we got mm-hmm. beyond that. But it was way bigger than that. It was more about where I was and how was I going to continue to advance and improve. Um, so. Well, you, whatever you figured out we, over that offseason worked. Well, well here's what was really cool. So promoted, my car chief gave him more responsibility. Not promoted, but gave him more responsibility. Right. My engineering staff gave those guys some more responsibility. Darian Grubb, Greg Ives. Um, yeah, you, y'all were listening correctly, just so we go through the list. Ron Malik <laughs> was the car chief. The group that he was struggling to give responsibility to was Ron Malik, Darian Grubb, Greg Ives, <laughs> right. you guys wouldn't know the shock, but he's really basically a genius <laughs> as well. So uh, four, okay, just making sure I clear that. You're up. exactly right, man. Yeah. So, so what was so beautiful about it was, is we worked all winter long. We didn't have to work on our cars; our cars were fast. Right. We had to work on systems, procedures, and uh, the, how the team operated. We worked really hard on that. Show up for Daytona. Things didn't go too well. Um, they found some stuff on our car they didn't like. I get suspended straight out of the gate four weeks. Boom. Yep. Thanks Whew. for coming, but you're going to take some weeks off. Yeah, we'll see you. In you're going to learn to delegate because you're not going to be here because <laughs> you're going to be about <laughs> 600 miles away. That's right. So, or however many miles it is. But anywho, um, yeah. So, as I'm leaving, I'm like, all right, we're going to see, we're going to see if we did this thing right, and it was amazing. We, uh, I'm sitting at home. And look, I'm looking at a computer just like you are, communicating with the guys at the racetrack just like we all do, but it's not the same as being there, right? I'm watching it on TV. I'm like, take two tires, put these shocks on in practice, do do this. Okay, we're on the phone. You know, we didn't even have FaceTime then, right? So it's a lot more difficult. And we get the car set up. It goes great. And then we go start the race, execute a flawless race. Greg Ives and Darian did a fantastic job. I'm basically, you know, cheerleading them from afar win the Daytona 500, and I'm not there. Mm. And and I'm sitting there, and I can remember this. I'm sitting there on the sofa as they're coming around, as Jimmy's coming around to take that the checkered flag on the last lap for the Daytona 500 with a team that that we had worked so hard for and with to get into that position that I cried. Yeah, I was like, man, this is just amazing to see these guys execute at that level. And everybody's like, and I've been asked that, like, what's your what's your – What's your favorite win? That win right there. Wow. That is the most influential win for the 48 car in history right there. And it was it was a very proud moment for me. It, well, I, I, so you're going to laugh because I remember uh, Darian and I were walking to pit road before that race. 
And he goes, I think I got a plan. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And I say, hey, buddy, I've called 10 of these, just so you're clear. I don't mean 10 day 25 rounds. I mean 10 races. This is my, the 11th race of my career. <laughs> so no, I can't really help you. Like, that's all I could do to right. worry about my one car. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so 06. I mean, the shop, we, we that year. I Good think stuff. the 24 won two or three. Yep. 48 won six, seven. Six or seven, a bunch. something like that. Uh, 48 won the championship. 24 yep. was somewhere in there, top five or six. Good year. And then 07, the year of we're going to have two cars because that's a great idea. And we ran the COT and the standard car. What a, I mean. We kicked it, though. We did. That was a we big year. We killed it. That was a big year. You were just, just six weeks off. <laughs> no, don't think we're not going to skip that. <laughs> now that one's going to be ready to come up. We, so we won 18 out of 36 races out of our building. That's right. That's right. One building, one team with two crew chiefs and two drivers won half the races that year. That was so fantastic. I could have won some when we were suspended. Yeah. And said Steve made me play golf a lot. I, well, I lo- uh, we won. Remember, we wheelhawked Watkins Glen. That's right. He was running from Tony. <sighs> that one was close. <clears throat> Almost won New Hampshire. The Denny beat us on two tires. Yeah. Yeah. We were there for that one. Let, let's go back to Wait, Sonoma. is that the year that Newman beat... Me at Indy on a two-tire call, too? Well, it might have been. I think so. So I think there was a few was more. A, but like, of those six, we were like, man, we, we do. I mean, from, we should have had more. From the computer, we're pretty good. We go to Sonoma. We don't have to relive the whole thing. But I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget. We push our cars through inspection, and the fenders are no good. You get to work on them. Okay. Yep. And, like, by the time they went from no good to work on them, by the time they got back to our garage stall, it was, you aren't practicing, and we're in big trouble. Yep. Cut them off. Cut them off. And, and, and you and I went in the truck. And I still have the theory. I think, you know, John Darby, as much as I like him, I think he just had too much wine the night before, and, and he, he was, was hungover. He was pissed? I think he was hungover. Listen, I'll never forget. He was cranky. I, I walked up in there. Darby was one thing, and a couple of others. But when Mike Helton started speaking, yeah. I kind of looked at you, and you looked at me, and you kind of started looking at the floor. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to take his lead. <laughs> like, now is not a time to speak. And we were spoken to. Yeah. Yeah, I've well, had a few of those. But we bounced back in 07. Yep. Yep. So so I want to talk about 07 because we bounced back. Jeff, I'd love to say, oh, yeah, we had it all figured out. Jeff Gordon is one of the greatest ever because he basically just put it on his shoulders, and we were so consistent that year. Yeah. I didn't even I, – I tell everybody all the time, if Jeff Gordon got the 40-year-old me, we would have won way more races because <laughs> I just didn't know. Sure. We enter the playoffs. It resets. And you had your moment. My moment was 07. We win race four and five. And then you jackasses win race six, seven, eight, and nine. <laughs> you won four races in a row. I forgot that. Four in a row. And I'll never forget. We won four races in a row? You did. Thank you. Wow. You did. What races were they? In, um, Do you know? Um, I, I don't remember. You finished Phoenix. You won Texas, Phoenix, Martinsville, maybe Kansas, but I'd be guessing. Yeah. I know awesome. Phoenix, and here's why. Because I was pitted in the good stall at the end of the straightaway before the corner. Yep. Qualified good. And we ran like sixth. Not great, but sixth. Yeah. And I'll never forget, as long as I <laughs> – that moment for Daytona for you, I'll never forget. I walked from the pit box that day, walked back to the hauler, and it was the longest walk of my career. Because we left like it was over, right? Like yeah. there's one to go, but it's over, right? Like, like, And it was that moment where – and looking back on it, I didn't appreciate the opportunity. You guys and Gordon made it look so easy to win championships for so long, which we both know it isn't. Yeah. But we both were raced here, right? Like you went to yeah. New York. You celebrated. Yeah, that's what I we did. I didn't appreciate the moment. Yeah. Um, it was it was thick. It's, it's tough. What we do is I not I skipped easy. right over the Martinsville where you beat me with my own damn setup. It wasn't even really my setup. It was Rex Stump's <laughs> setup. 
that I just put in. Hey, man, that's one of the coolest uh, video the clips ever, videos. right? You see Jeff. So you weren't there. When, so we were beating on your bumper forever, and we couldn't pass you. Ducart was standing on you. Yeah. Ducart was kind of new. And I remember I turned around, spiked my computer, and told him, I'll never help him again, <laughs> ever. But you did. But I did. I yeah. did. I forgot. I don't mean to uh, back up. Remember the advice? I don't know if you remember this one. I was fortunate enough to win Martinsville in 05. You sent me the same advice that Loomis gave you. You text me and said, congratulations, oh, you're a I? winner. You'll always have a job. <laughs> you followed it up with, but it's Jeff Gordon Martinsville, so it's a half a win. It's only a half win. <laughs> that's what you told so me. And then you went Sonoma. Yeah, then it was Sonoma. And you I said, said that's, that's the other <laughs> half, and now you got a full one. That's, I got a full win. <laughs> I was taking Jeff Gordon to it Sonoma or Martinsville. Man, that doesn't count. It, did too. it took two. <laughs> so, listen, that's 06, 07. I, but I want to talk about five in a row. Yep. Because um, it's different now. So, tr- so pretend we're not now. When it was happening, did you have any idea how unbelievable it was? No, I had no idea. Like, were you, were you just in the washing machine? Did, like, yeah, it's, and I'm really sad about that. Just like how you said we won four in a row. You don't know. I, I really don't remember, Steve, and that's, that's really just sad. Isn't it? But, but here's the problem. I don't know if you can win four in a row the other way. And you may not. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm being truthful, right? Yeah. As a guy that had to beat you, um, I, I'm quoted, right? One reason I went to TV is because I work next to you. And in my mind, you were the blueprint. And if that was the effort required, yeah, I didn't have it. Yeah, and I'm a tough guy, but I'm like, I, I, I don't like. I can raise my hand now and say I can't work as hard as he does. Yeah, I was in a different spot, man. I, I was, and I still am. Uh, I'm not like I was. Uh, I've I, watched from afar. You're a different guy sitting here today. I am. You wouldn't have took an hour on a Wednesday. No. It's, it's, We'd it's, have had to do this at like midnight. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I'm sad that I didn't enjoy some of that stuff, mm-hmm. but we wouldn't have accomplished what we accomplished if I took time to enjoy it. Um, I, I didn't identify with it. Tony Stewart's one of the first ones that came up to me after we won the championship, the fifth one, and he said, uh, you'll never understand how special it is. And he said this at Homestead right. as they were loading up his car. You'll never understand how special this is until you're done. And... He was also the first one that came up to me the next year and said the exact same thing. You'll never understand mm-hmm. how hard it was and how special it was what you did. So don't beat yourself up too much because I was deflated when right. we didn't win that sixth one. Um, but what's so hard is the expectation is to win, and you don't want to let your people down. You don't right. wanna, I didn't want to let Rick down. I didn't want to let Jimmy down. I didn't want to let uh, our fans down. Um, I didn't want to let myself down. You know, when you, when you get to the point where you won so much and you, you're, that expectation is there, you immediately think that if you don't win, you're done or you're fired, and I didn't want to live that. What was our joke? We get off the plane and swipe our key card. <laughs> Beep, turn green. We're like, all right, like, we're still employed. <laughs> so do you think, and maybe you can't answer this, but does, did number seven mean more because there was losses? Yeah. You know, you win one through five, yeah. but then it's not six, seven. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's bump. And I would argue – um, I don't know if you would agree, but from afar. Now, granted, I was here for most of them. Uh, seven, I got to see from a different view, but it was anything but smooth. I mean, that Oof. that playoff no, was, that was a, a grind. Tough, that was a tough year. So, we went think, through, so we, my point is, do you think it's different? Yeah, winning absolutely. a seventh that way. Yeah, they're all different. Um, they're all unique. I, I don't remember them all. That seventh one was really challenging and tough. By all rights, we probably shouldn't have won that championship. It, I'm not going to say it fell in our lap because we had to battle for it. Um, but you know, we made it into the playoffs. We got there. We got to the end. Uh, we won Martinsville. And that Martinsville one is, is what put us in position to go win Homestead. Because as soon as we got done there, I was at work Monday morning. 
working on that car for Homestead. Right. You knew what was ahead. That's all I cared about. I, I could have stayed home from the other two races because I wasn't even there. I was completely checked out. All I was worried about was Homestead. Uh, we went down there. We qualified fifth, sixth. Sounds right. Something like that. Pretty yeah. fast. Good. Practiced really well. The uh, 19 and the 22 were fast. And I'm like, man, this is going to be a brawl. Like, this right. is going to be really exciting. And <laughs> we're on the grid for the start of the race. And mm, I forgot this part. Oh, yeah. Most people do. Oh, yeah. Most people Glad do. you brought it up. I didn't have to. This is nice. <laughs> and we did a, a, a little enhancement to our car that NASCAR didn't approve of. So they're singing the national anthem, singing the national anthem, and they're making us put our car back through technical inspection. I remember this. So we're pushing the car off the grid. Jimmy's walking up from driver's intros, and he's like, "Oh, wait, what? Where? Yeah, where's my car? We'll going? be right back." I'm like, "I'm like, hey, bud, um, everything's fine." Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Okay, don't start like that <laughs> when my car's rolling away." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, look, here's the deal. We did a little something. They're not real happy. Right. We'll be right back." <laughs> and he's like, "Are you getting thrown out?" And I'm like, "Ah." Not yet. I'm pretty sure I'm coming back. I think I'm okay. So we go, we get through tech, we come back out, and we start shotgun on the field. Yeah. So it's not easy. People don't realize how much effort, just car effort, pit crew, like just to work through the field. is. It's not easy at Homestead. Mm -mm. You know, tire fall off is high, kind of limited on where you can run. And we dropped the green flag, and Jimmy being the champion he is, he dropped his visor. Went to the front yep. and drove and passed cars. Got us up into the top ten really quickly. Um, I think maybe by the first round of pit stops. And then we're up there. And we're running fourth, fifth, third, sixth. And then those other two cats, the 19 and the 22, they're just battling up front. And I'm just like, how in the world can we right. get How are we going to get there? How can we just, because there was just, there were like three cars that we just couldn't right. couldn't get through. And shoot, then they, they decided to uh, crash on that <laughs> restart. And... We're like, oh, my gosh, look at this. This is going to be exciting. you got to beat the 42, and if you can beat the 42, we got this thing. And, shoot, he, he put on his cape and just drove up there. Hey, it's a race for a reason. It was great. I, I got to call it from the booth. It was amazing, um, without a doubt. I, I'm so so many questions are people going to have about the the decision for you and Jimmy to go different ways. I actually don't have the questions there. I've lived um, the relationship of our driver and a crew chief. I can't believe you all made it as long as you can. I can't <laughs> believe any of us have made it as long as we have. Um yeah. So I, I want to look at actually a different point in your life. So people that don't know is, and you would never admit this when it happened, but you can admit it now, you are like one of my daughter's idols. Because <laughs> I love when she girl. was a little. So people don't know, for a long time, there were no families on the planes. Yeah. And it was your contract had come up, and you were the one that said, hey, look, I don't have a family, but Mr. H, I think we should change this for the crew chiefs because we work all the time. So yeah. this is me thanking you because of that. Because um, no offense, but I didn't really have any rings, so I didn't know if <laughs> probably I had negotiation power, but you did. And by rings, he means championship yeah, rings, championships, not wedding rings. Yeah, championship <laughs> rings. So uh, um, you got my kid. And what people don't realize is yeah. so my wife, Trish, is a saint. She'd bring both kids. But you get home from a race, and it's like two kids and bags and this. Yeah. And Chad, was he was Mr. Ashland. My daughter would be on his shoulder, and he would carry to the car more Sunday Love nights. Love that little girl. Um, She's not little anymore. They're not little. We ran into each other. Yeah, you couldn't believe it. So, so Jeez. that's my point is when you were going through all of this, yeah. you have always been like a damn uncle to my kids, as sweet as can be. What was it like when you finally had your own? Oh, jeez. It's uh, it's. I still get emotional about it. Um, I got goosebumps just by you doing that. See, look, I'm not lying. I'm telling you, <laughs> it, it's it's. People laugh, but it's, it's the put best it all thing. in perspective for me. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. I would, I would. 
I'm so proud of myself that I waited mm-hmm. because I would not have been as appreciative of my child if I'd have done it 15 years ago. Yep. I wouldn't have understood the emotional connection. I wouldn't have understood the miracle that it is. And uh, my son Kipling, man, he is just, I love him to pieces. I told Brooke, my wife, I said, I thought I loved you. It, that's so you true. Know, I said, I'm sorry, babe. I like you a, a whole lot. I tell my know, wife, I, I, look, I know I'm third. Like, I get it. I know I'm third. <laughs> it's no problem. Two kids, I mean, right? I love him so much, and he's so great, and he's just over a year old, and he's got a ton of personality. And, and you know my wife, Brooke. She's the sweetest woman in the world. And that's why we're together, because she can handle it. Like, she's so sweet and understanding and tolerant, and he's got her demeanor. Oh, yeah. Which is just amazing like he just he's good thing because if he had your demeanor i don't know if she <laughs> i don't know if she'd be like look i can't handle two of you yeah she's she's done a great job with them but I'll, I'll tell you man i'd i'd get home when i can i it got to the point uh, we, we had this conversation the other day you know when they're babies you get up and you feed them in the middle of the night mm-hmm. okay that meant i got to spend time with them right in the middle of the night and when he got to the point where he was sleeping through the night i was a little sad because I would get home from work and he might already be in bed and I may not see him the next day. So those were, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes twice a night that I would I would spend time with him that I was missing out on. Um, but, man, I, I love it. He's He says, Dada, all the time. We FaceTime. Thank God for technology. Right. Um, it's it's really fantastic. Every Thursday I'm taking him to uh, a day school that he goes to, uh, which he loves. Um, I put him on this little backpack carrier thing and we walk down Tryon Street, downtown Charlotte. He loves it. Great. That is awesome. So for me, it's special. So I've known you since literally since we talked since I was 16. Yeah. So to see this come full circle is is truly amazing. I couldn't be happier for you. Um, that that's so that and that's on the personal side. How has that affected the professional? Right. So you and Jimmy split up. Yep. Jimmy goes about his way. You go about your way. Yep. And you get. I wish he was still here because I'd call him out a kid. <laughs> I mean a kid now. Hell of a race car driver. Yeah. Wise kid. Now, I'm not taking anything. But let's be clear. He's a kid. Well, I disagree with you 100%. He's a man. He's a 21-year-old man. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll give you that. And God, are we that old? Yeah. So he just looks young. Okay, that's it. He <laughs> looks like a kid. Yeah, but he, he does. doesn't, he doesn't this drive is, this like is, a kid either, though. No, he doesn't. This is what I told people because everybody called him a kid. Even you know, Max Pappas works right, with right, him. Right, right. Called him a kid. Mr. Hendrick called him a kid. And when, when I said... When he and I were uh, doing this, I sat him down, looked him in the eye, and said, "You are not a child. You're That's not a, great a kid." Point. It's a great point. And I told everybody on the team because they're like, "Oh, the kid's got talent." No, no, that young man has talent, mm-hmm. and we have tri- treated him like an adult and like a man since the moment that that I came over here. Um, yeah, because if you act like a kid, they're going to treat you like a kid. Exactly. And That's if, a good point. You know, as much as you call somebody that, you're going to treat him that. Mm-hmm. So, and Mr. Hendrick was in here just a moment ago. You saw him, Stevie, and. He said the he said kid and he corrected himself and said That's this awesome. young man. So, um, yeah, Jimmy and I look, man. We we I can recap that real quick. Look, we were we were together for over eighteen years, I think it was, and it's just time for a change. That's all it was. Fair. And the expectations super high on both of us puts a lot of pressure on both of us. Um, I love Jimmy as much now as I ever did, right. and we're as good of friends now as we've ever been. We hug it out all the time on the phone with him. I'd be willing him. to challenge that if the change wasn't made, you wouldn't be able to say that. I agree 100%. Like, there was a moment where it's like, Absolutely. okay, this is this is it, right? Like, ugly. we're there. Yeah. And so so I was like, look, you know, we're going to do something different. I'm going to – man, I've had a good good run. Yeah, right. Done. Yep. 
good run. Seven championships, handful of races. Things are pretty good. And then Mr. Hendricks said, uh, and Jeff Gordon actually, they Jeff is actually the one that started it. He's like, man, I, you know, really think Williams got some talent. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. You know, no yeah, doubt, yeah, yeah. no doubt, good, yeah. No, 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 but I really think he's pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, what, what do you think about maybe being crew chief over there? I was like, I thought I was like going to like work in the office like, now. I feel like I've served my time. Yeah, here. right. You know, I've been on the front line for a long yeah, time right. here. He's like, yeah, but, man, I really think, you know, it would do some good for him and he could use some mentorship and the team needs some structure and, you know, you've done a good job and we like to do it. So then Mr. H gets involved and clearly they've been working on this on the backside. <laughs> right. And yeah, then, they act like we don't know that they aren't talking. Right. Yeah. Right. And then um, so then William calls and I recall, William, you know, we chatted up a little bit and I'm like, and I sit down with Brooke and I'm like, look, here's the deal. We can go this path or we can go this path. And she's like, you know, you, you know you want to compete. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And she's like, well, give it a go. See what happens. So we we did. And here we are today. So when it was announced, I sent William a text. And I said, hey, man. <laughs> Good I luck. Well, cause I, so, I, so him, his dad and I have talked for the last couple of years, and, and I covered his, his kind of trip to Xfinity. And yeah. I sent him a text and said, listen, I'm going to tell you straight up how it's going to be. I said, there will be days it's not fun. There will be a lot of days it's not easy. There will be a few days that you won't like him. <laughs> I said, but I can assure you that he means the best in all of it, and if you can just accept it, listen to him, and do what he says, you will be a better race car driver. Yeah. And he was like, thanks. And I said, <laughs> and any time you need a pep talk, here's my number. And he kind of laughed. But, but my point is that, uh. is that, and I'll go back to my Jeff thing, I was always – I, I could never take – you and Jeff both gave me the best advice ever. Jeff Gordon told me to treat him like everyone else on the team. I never could. And you said, if you have a problem with Jeff, call Jeff. Yeah. Like, don't tell me. Call Jeff, and you'll move forward. I did a little better of that at the second half. But, you know, it took a lot to get there. Sure. Um, and with William and you, you just have this uh, – well, he's even said it. You know, the first half of the year was kind of figuring out how it was supposed to work. Right. And now you guys seem like you have this comfort. Um, so – you talked about how special that Daytona win was. You have seven championships. I don't want to compare them all, but how special will the win be when you and William get that win? Because I have no doubt it's coming, um, but how special will that be to win with a young man as a driver, a different driver in a different yeah. era? Yeah, I, I hope we can get it done. Um, yeah, We've already accomplished much, much more this year than what I had thought we should. Um, new team, new driver, uh, but you know, we, again, we just had a big right. meeting in here, this room. Let me guess. Race like you belong in the round of 12. Can I give the bullet points <laughs> that you probably said? All that's I good. know that had to be. Well, that's true, that's though. That's the truth. If you it's act like you don't belong, then you're done. Right. And, and well, the thing that I've told my guys, and, and we really hit on it today, was what have you done outside of your comfort zone over the course of the last three weeks? And everybody's like, nothing. I should have just stopped right there. Yeah. Because I right. actually ended up talking – you know, for another 30 minutes, right. but I, I, the, the point was delivered at the start. You know, we went to Richmond, and we fumbled like a bunch of buffoons. Our whole company did. That was just They're we struggle good. at Richmond. But we went to Las Vegas, and we did what we should. Recovered, flat tire down pit road. Yeah, we did all that. Back. We just did yeah. it, right? We went to the Roval and did what we should, and guess what? We're here. So if you just take Richmond out and put in a, a handful more points that we should have raced mm -hmm. better, we should, off stats, be able to move to the next round. Yeah. And and that's really cool. You know, qualifying on the pole five times, I think it is so far, and I don't know how many times all front row. Um, but it was really neat to, to be able to go to Daytona 
and and sit on the pole for the 500 with a new team. That was pretty cool. I That's was like, awesome. I was like, been here. <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen, right? And, and 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 that happens. Everybody's like, like especially the guys on the team who've yeah, right. never really done right. a whole lot. They're like, whew, geez, this oh. guy's for real. Oh yeah, you know this is serious stuff. <laughs> um, so it's it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. These guys are great. They're really coming into their own. And if we can get to victory lane, which I think this team is more than capable of, especially now in the position that we're in, we've had to points race so much this year that we've kind of taken ourselves away from that for the greater good. Yeah. Now I think we're in a position to where we don't have to win to make the next transition, but we have to perform at such a high level that we're going to be much closer to winning. Tell everybody all the time, you know, you don't win from fifth or tenth. You taught me that, right? You run up front, and yeah. eventually you end up victory lane because it's the best spot to beat. CK, I can't thank you enough. It's a Wednesday. I know you're busy. you got a lot ahead of you. I yeah, appreciate man. your time. It was fun to go back uh, memory lane. I call you a friend. You have been a mentor for years. Uh, now I get to cover you as yeah, a crew chief, and I'm not sure I have the resume to do it, but I do it anyway. <laughs> so I question all your pit calls and all your car. That's my job, but uh, I appreciate the time, man. It's been fun. Yeah, man, I've enjoyed it. You've done a good job on TV. It's been fun to uh, to watch you grow and what you do. And, man, you you got an amazing little family. Well, they're not little anymore. They're just – I couldn't believe Ashlyn when she stood up. I was like, jeez, girl. She's – how tall is she? 5'10"? She's growing up too fast. Yes, 5'10". And it's just, just amazing. So too it's much. good stuff, man. We, I wish we could uh, – we'll do it again sometime. Maybe we'll do this annually or something like that. I love it. All right, Latard on location at Hendrick Motorsports, the Papa Joe Hendrick meeting room. In my mind, this is the old 24 shop because this is where it basically it all started. Chad Knauss was the guest. Subscribe and rate and review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. <laughs>